Welcome to Youth Radio. Yes, you are welcomed to it. I'm Luis Martinez. What? How can we be welcoming them to it when they're not even at it? What? What is it? This is it. Yes, welcome to it. This is the Youth Radio. Oh, oh, oh. I'm Mina Lee. Tell me what's on tap. All in due time. First, I would like to destroy a few of the commonly accepted urban myths. Such as, for a prime example, maybe you want to tell them that the New Orleans Mardi Gras tradition was initiated in 1857 by a mysterious secret society known as the Mystic Crew of Comus. While other crews had parade themes like Foods of the World or show tunes, the Mystic Crew of Comus might have themes such as ancient serpent, serpent deities of the, near far, of the Near East. When the state of Louisiana demanded Comus to disclose its membership in 1991, the crew decided to disband after 144 years of parading rather than comply. Insert that into your preferred internet search engine database. It's the factual steez. Sucka. Punk. Yeah. Now you know. Now that you know what's up, let's hit him with the rundown. Oh, for show. We got two commentaries lined up about the Youth Radio Conference in Portland, Oregon. And don't forget about the interview about the Iraq War with students from Highland High School's Eastern Civilizations class. And furthermore, on top of that... Also, make sure not to forget the interview with Demetria Martinez about immigration. We're cutting the cutting edge. Be cautious, then. Philip, please now play a song. Good evening. I'm your music host tonight, Philip. Here and there, I would find a good country song. But normally, I despise country and turn off the dial, right? We want to hear it. But recently, the Dixie Chicks caught my eye. In the past, the Dixie Chicks have been ridiculed for their comments on President Bush. I have some of my own, but that's another story. But here's Not Ready to Make Nice by Dixie Chicks. one of our Youth Radio Collective members went out on an adventure in Portland, Oregon for the National Youth and Radio Training Project. Here's a commentary about his experiences. Hey, I'm Jaren Kai, and I'm here to talk about our trip to Portland for the National Youth and Radio Training Conference and my experiences. The first thing was the plane ride. I had left my wallet in the seat pocket in front of me and didn't realize I had left it until we were well on our way to Portland from Denver. But I was in luck because the cleaners had found a wallet and turned it into the airline customer services and I got it back the next day. Getting to the hotel was wonderful because after losing my wallet and the horrific fear that I had lost it for good, I wanted to relax because nothing says relaxation like a bed that isn't your own and about 10 or 20 pillows. But I didn't get to relax. We were about to go out to dinner with an indie rock star. 
Meeting Jesse Sandoval from The Shins was awesome. A down-to-earth, sane rock star whose music I had found through one of the best movies ever, Garden State. And I would be lying if I didn't say that the phrase that kept repeating through my mind while eating across the table from him was, This song will change your life. He was the best, and eating Thai food with him was a dream. After saying goodbye to Jesse and also taking a few pictures with him, we went back to the hotel for the meet and greet with the other youth. It was a blast for me personally. I got to meet four new people whom I connected with right away. Katie, Addie, Masha, and Rebecca. Our assignment was to learn three things about each other, and we did. But we also found things in common with each other, and I eventually attached myself onto them because we connected on so many levels, and even to this day, I miss them. Wow, you know what? I just realized that that was only the first day. The next day, after sleeping in a mass of 20 fluffy pillows, we ate breakfast and had a few workshops. I took the media activism workshop first. It was an interesting experience. One of the other workshop attendees was very opinionated. And that's not a bad thing. But his opinions were very interesting. Lucia and I wanted to interview him. But after that first day, we didn't see him anymore. I also took the Talking Good for the radio workshop. And that was awesome. Getting to learn new techniques on how to speak clear on the radio was interesting. In fact, I applied those same techniques before I recorded this segment. See, I did learn something. That same night, there was an open house at the local community radio station, KBU 91.9 FM Portland, and I got to DJ a couple songs live on air for the Ultimonium Show, which is their youth radio show. While waiting, I got to hang out with another few new friends, Zoe and Jen. Talking to them was awesome. Jen is a very smart, interesting political person, and Zoe is just Zoe. She's hard to explain, and that makes her even more awesome. On air, I played the Yeah Yeah Yeah's Dudley and Slater Kinney's Modern Girl. I had a blast and had the honor to do the KBOO station ID at the top of the hour. My intensive was one of the best. I got to learn more about writing scripts for radio theater, even got to write a new story, and I hope to eventually share that piece later on. But all good things come to an end, and our Portland trip was a blast, and we went out in style. We had a party on Saturday night, and it was very fun, dancing to such mega hits as the Electric Six and Green Day, with some newfound friends, and the same lovely youth radio personalities who went on the trip was an absolute dream. In four days, we had made an impression on everyone at the conference. I just got an email a few days ago from a girl from Portland, Maine, Sarah. She said that everyone she's talked to from the conference still remembers us from KUNM. Also, another thank you to Otiampa Umi for taking me on a long metro ride back to the airport to get my wallet. But I think he didn't mind because we got to see more of the city. Thanks.
You just heard a commentary from Jaron Kai about his exciting exploration of Portland, Oregon. Let's hear some more music, shall we? Well, if you haven't seen Eurotrip the movie, you, you've missed out. Here's Scotty Doesn't Know by Lestra, a fine story of a teenage drama. Scotty doesn't know that Fiona and me do it in my van every Sunday. She tells him she's in church, but she doesn't go. Still, she's on her knees, and Scotty doesn't know. Wow, Philip, that was a really interesting song. Anyways, a few weeks ago or something, part of the KUNM Youth Radio Collective went to Portland, Oregon for the National Youth in Radio Training Project. Amongst them was Luis Martinez, who attended a workshop about creating computer music for radio. Here's his commentary about the process, along with the music he made. At the National Youth in Radio Training Project, I learned how to make computer music for the radio. By employing the mind-boggling advantages of modern technology, I was able to simulate thousands of dollars worth of electronic music production hardware, such as mixers, sequencers, drum machines, synthesizers, samplers, and an array of effects from foldback distortion to phasers, flangers, reverb, and vocoders, all by using a computer program called Reason, which is a virtual hardware rack simulation. As our instructor informed us, these technologies represent the apex of 40 years of advances and breakthroughs in electronic music, on which the modern computer music composer reclines luxuriously. During the workshop, I was, a, I was paired with a girl named Amelia something from Washington or something. After a brief training session on the Reason software, we were given the task of creating a piece of electronic music. We began by creating a number of drumbeat patterns on the virtual drum machine. Different patches can be loaded into the machine's 10 separate drum sound channels to simulate a variety of different drum kits, from R&B to dub to hardcore and many others. After we had about four or five interchangeable beats, we created a rack synthesizer. A rack synthesizer is different from a Korg or a Moog keyboard synthesizer, which you may be thinking of. It is, a, it is a device that generates tones and has a vast number of daubs and niles on its face with which to modulate, distort, and in other ways change the tones it produces. However, the synthesizer itself has no means of determining what notes will be generated, and so we had to connect a digital matrix to the synth to tell it what notes to play. The digital matrix loops short modifiable patterns of notes that it sends to the, synth to the synthesizer. Coincidentally, the digital matrix is the, only is the only simulation in reason of non-existing physical hardware. After tweaking the synth and adding in some melodies using a digital sampler and a MIDI keyboard controller, Amelia and I each added in a vocal track using our radio copy reading skills, yo. The text we read, which you will hear as two separate, entirely unmodified voices, remind you, un entirely unmodified, is, the for is from the pivotal scientific case for alien contact by Robert Temple titled The Serious Mystery. One problem with our song, which you may notice, is that the actual music is vaguely inaudible. This is because when our instructor mixed down my and Amelia's project to a CD, he cut a huge slice out of the EQ curve, basically muting our song. This is most probably because he is a professional and liberally seasoned computer music composer, and our one afternoon's worth of training quality tinkerings both upset his subtle musical palate and obscured the weird Robert Temple passage that we had read. 
Here is our song. Please enjoy it. No. There is no mane. There are no prominent muscles in the chest above the front legs, as are often shown in statues of lions. The tail does not have the tuft at the end which lions have, and which statues of lions also have. But most telling of all, the rear haunches do not rise up above the level of the back, bulging and prominent. The back of the sphinx's body is straight, but if you look at an Egyptian, but if you look at an Egyptian hieroglyph of the letter R, you see a lion's crouching body in profile, and realize that lions were portrayed in Egypt with huge rear haunches, rising well above the left, rising well above the lion in the back. We all say the sphinx is a lion because we have been told it is a lion. We see with the eyes of the unknown and anonymous people who say it is a lion. We have all accepted secondhand information without checking its validity. That's all. Thanks, Luis, for that exciting commentary on computer music making. Oh, and for your information, Luis, I think Amelia was from Maine. Well, let's hear from Philip again. Life today sucks, plain and simple. With the pressure of college and SATs, there's no room to breathe. Under Pressure was first recorded by David Bowie and Freddie Mercury of Queen. But here's the used and My Chemical Romances remake of the song. Enjoy. <laughs> Yo, Philip, thanks for that modern take on a classical meeting of the minds. As you said there, uh, that song originally by David Bowie and Freddie Mercury of Queen. Uh, up next, an interview with students from Becky Gordon's Eastern Civilization class at Highland High School uh, about the Iraq War. Hi, this is Mina Lee from KUNM Youth Radio. Here with me, I have Chad Adcox, Israel Ibarra, Katie McEwen, Janice Kovic, and their teacher Becky Gordon from her Eastern Civilization class at Highland High School. Just recently, they gave a presentation on the Iraq War and its impact on Iraqi society. Chad, can you explain what you did for your presentation? So a couple of weeks ago, the students in our Eastern Civilizations class came together and we decided we'd put on a presentation about the Iraq War to learn to teach not only ourselves, but also to teach other people in our school who didn't know, you know a whole lot about the war and what's really going on. So independently, throughout the class, we researched different topics about the war. Um, we researched the timeline of the war, where it started. We researched the reconstruction efforts going on today, um, also the government and the status that it's in. We also studied the insurgency, and we studied the effect the war has had on the women and children and the rest of Iraqi society. And then we all came together, and we made a presentation for the school, and we had a lot of students from our school come in and see it. And a lot of people basically got to learn a lot more information about the Iraq war. Thank you. Uh, what do you think some of the motives are for going to war? Um, hi, I'm Janice. Uh, the motives, I believe, that the reason why the U.S. went to war was first off the unfinished business that they had with the Gulf War and capturing Saddam Hussein. Um, they 
briefly just ended the war and I think it was a follow-up with the Iraq war and the second major factor I think the motive of going to war was because the response to 9-11 um, the American society was very upset about us being attacked and there were fingers being pointed um, and so by that I think they retaliated in going to war but I think the real reason and the motive behind war is to benefit for oil because there were no weapons of mass destruction found none of the evidence that they had to go to war was found in Iraq. How has your research influenced or changed your outlook on the war? Hi, this is Katie. Well, before we started researching, I actually didn't know a lot about the war. And I was researching the economy and reconstruction, and I just basically got to see how much the U.S. has affected the Iraqi society, and it's just pretty shocking to me. Hi, this is Israel. Um, one of the main reasons for the uh, United States Army to still be in Iraq is the uh, insurgency and I researched focusing on that and one of the things that most Americans probably don't know is the fact that most of the uh, insurgency or at least the most dangerous ins insurgents are not really Iraqi people. They're like in the case of Abu Musab al-Sarqawi, he's the uh, leader of Al-Qaeda in Iraq. He is from Jordan and Everyone knows Al-Qaeda is from Afghanistan, so it really isn't, it isn't really the most dangerous, the uh, Iraqi people, but it's actually foreign people. There's also um, many insurgent groups inside Iraq, you know, composed from Iraqi people, but they're not really looking out to kill each other. I mean, it, w it wouldn't make sense, you know. It's actually um, the uh, Al-Qaeda who's looking for people within Iraq, Iraqis who um, sympathize with the United States government or, you know, the uh, democracy they want to establish there. And it's the, uh, the insurgents, the foreign insurgents who try to, to annihilate any type of resistance to Al-Qaeda. Um, what are your opinions now on the initial war and what do you think about pulling out? Hi, this is Chad. Um, this issue is really pretty complicated when you think about it, and even after studying it for a couple of weeks, I really don't know how I truly feel about this. Um, but one of the subjects that I study a little in-depthly is about the, in the government of Iraq today, and I've seen some of the good things that the war has brought upon, such as you know the January 06 elections that we just saw, and the 275-seat parliament that's now in place. So democracy is being created in Iraq, and I do think that that's a reason for the United States to stay within there. It's really important that the U.S. does still offer support even after the war is over as was already declared, that the U.S. offer their support in helping the Iraqi government come together so that the Iraqi society can, you know, can, re can rebuild itself and function once again. Um, this is Israel. Um, the whole war after 9-11 attacks uh, really, on the Middle East, really was the focus of it was really getting Osama bin Laden in uh, Afghanistan. Um, you know, that in mind, I believe that this war is not really justified. I mean, it's really good the fact that uh, Saddam Hussein is not in power anymore. I really believe that, you know, the Iraqis deserve to be free as well. But um, I also know that there's a lot of damage being done to, the, to Iraq itself. I mean, it's not easy for, you know, just normal students to go to school and just hear all these bombardings like a couple of yards away from their school. All the facilities they used to have, I mean, many schools have been just torn down to pieces and 
It's, it's really it's, it's really a bad situation, and just on the uh, reconstruction itself, most of the uh, contractors in Iraq are from America, but they they don't really have to stay if they don't feel like it, and they don't they don't really they're not guaranteed any type of security. So if there's any attack on them, they can just leave whenever. So that's one of the reasons why the reconstruction hasn't really been successful, because. Um, Whenever they want to leave, they can, and they don't really have any protection. They do get a lot of money, you know, it's, it's a really dangerous job. But still, you know, I think when it comes to it, I think you value more your life than all the money you could get. Hi, this is Janice. Um, this is um, back to what Israel was talking about, about the reconstruction and pulling out. The U.S. Uh, basically went into a situation and they were trying to impose the democracy on the Iraqi people and they already had their own customs and beliefs. Um, I think with Sudan not in power anymore is a good thing. However, um, it's like a no-win situation because it's like if they stay, you know, and they're trying to Im impose these new laws and, I mean, people are dying and because of this and it just doesn't seem like it's getting anywhere. But if they leave, they came in and destroyed a country who was in the need of reconstruction. Thank you, Janice. This is Katie, and I was just going to say that, I mean, initially, and for the initial reasons on the initial war, I'm, I'm against it. I really don't think we had justifications for going to, going to war in Iraq. But if you look at it now, their economy is unstable and their government is unstable and the people are suffering. And I really think that, you know, it's wrong to go in and completely create chaos in another country and just leave it. We can't pull out now. I think that we need to, you know, help them form their government and help them get their economy stable and help them just, they need to help the people out because I think the people are suffering the most, especially the women and the children. Thank you, Katie. Uh, has this class changed you as a person? And if so, how? Personally, this is Israel. In a broader sense, um, it really changed my perception of Islam. Like we as a class had the opportunity to go to a mosque and go to a regular service of prayer. And in my case, I was really ignorant about, you know, just Islam. And I was raised a Christian. And even though no one really told me anything about Islam, I just assumed that it was like this religion just, you know, anti-Christian type of religion or something, when it actually turns out to be that uh, we pretty much come from the same, you know, the same area. So Islam, Muslim people, they're not against Christians, they're not against Catholics. And another thing that most people believe is that, uh, you know, the Islam is more of a, of a terrorist type of religion, especially with the, now that jihad word is really, you know, coming up, like on the case of the attacks of the insurgents and all this, when it actually turns out that uh, Islam is a pacifist religion, what it actually seeks is just, uh, you know, getting closer to God. Oh, hi, this is Janice. Um, what changed me as a person in this class is just definitely the research and the impact on the war. Um, I was completely unaware of the false motives. Um, I was unaware of all the things that going on um me personally i did research on the women and children and um me you know as a young woman going into a woman um i'm grateful for the rights that we do have and the privilege that we do have and it just saddens me because half of iraqi's population is children and the main thing that they're dying from is malnourishment and they don't even live to see like their fifth birthday so be, taking this class has just made me take a better death on um iraq itself and just iraqi society Thank you, Janice.
Hi, this is Becky. Um, I'd also like to answer this question. Um, teaching this class now for the third time has really, really forced me to um, continue learning myself about the Middle East and to continue reading and being sensitive to the fact that um, there is controversy around a lot of the issues that we talk about in the class. I feel that I always need to be very careful to, um, to provide real um, thorough data to my students in terms of what I'm presenting to them. If I present to them a video that may have a particular bias, then I will go and find the sources, the primary sources, the transcripts of conversations, the documents to to show that um, you know this is not the but maybe a definite truth about this particular issue or this particular war and um, and because this particular group of students um, they are so highly critical they are very critically thinking students um, they understand the importance of supporting evidence and they really challenge me to present it to them and so um, it's to it's to their credit um, that that this has been a real learning experience for myself as well thank you Becky well this is Katie and this class has just really changed me as a person it's giving me so much more of an understanding I mean I remember like the first week of class we had to draw these posters about what we already thought the Middle East was like and pretty much every poster was a desert with a camel and some bombs and I mean personally having draw some kind of variation of that I mean it's just it's so it's such an eye-opening experience to see that how the Middle East really is portrayed over here in the United States and just how different things really are and I think it's just amazing it's really opened my eyes to a totally different culture and I loved it a lot yeah I think that things have certainly changed at our school Highland over the past couple of years I remember when the war first started when it first when it became clear that a war was going to happen in 2002 and 2003 that a lot of students were coming forth and demonstrating against the government and trying to get their message across you know how they feel about the Iraq war and there was a lot of basically fervor at our school. There were a lot of students who became really agitated with the subject matter. We had a walkout at our school. We had fights at our school. And we even had um, several of our teachers who ended up having to leave Highland due to some of the controversy that occurred with the Iraq war and you know their support or not support for it. And I, back then, I certainly don't think that this class would have been able to take place because we saw the administration being so critical of the students who were basically being criti critical thinkers themselves and there was really I think a lot of a lot of fear from the administration of what the students would really do and you know how they would get their message across and I think it's really good that Miss Gordon's able to teach this class now and really get a you know a better message across without there being so much so much fear about you know what's what these ideas are going to lead to and you know it's good that she's able to teach such a controversial topic and this is becky again just to follow up on what chad said um so a few the following year when i did teach the class um it was almost as if 
those events had never happened. There was not one administrator who questioned what I was teaching, and I was very clear that even though the course is officially called Eastern Civilizations, I made it clear that this is a course specifically about the Middle East, about the modern history and culture of the Middle East. Um, and that was fine. And, um, and I've only gotten very positive feedback from the administrators, uh, including the recent presentation that the students just did. We had a couple of our administrators sit in and, um, and they were really, really impressed with the level of research that the students did and the way they presented the information. Thank you. Um, before we go, do you have anything else that you'd like for the audience to know? Um, definitely research on your own and know that even though that America is a democracy, our government does not tell us everything and that our media does not tell us everything. So you owe yourself the right to know what is going on with your country and what your country is involved in, regardless if it's the war, um, who's in office, et cetera, et cetera. Um, be involved because um, there's a good amount that you are not aware of. Thank you, Janice. I'd like to thank Janice Cubbage, Chad Adcox, Katie McEwen, Becky Gordon, and Israel Iwara for being here with me and talking about their presentation about the Iraq war and its impact on Iraqi society. Thank you. Thanks for that exemplary interview, Mina. And a big thanks to Becky Gordon's class for dropping that fresh teen perspective. It was, as the French say, super cool. And now we've reached that point in our show when we bring in our second music host for the hour. Coming at you with those banging mid-school jams, it's Lucia Martinez. Thanks, Luis, I think. Next up is Post-War Breakout. This song was originally written by Woody Guthrie, who was a pol political activist, songwriter, and social critic. He wrote Post-War Breakout about 40 years ago. This song is about issues that still challenge us today. Here's the redone version by Anti-Flag. Up next, you're going to hear an interview with Demetria Martinez, one of the people responsible for organizing the immigration rally in Albuquerque on May 1st. Wielding the microphone, here's KUNM Youth Radio's own Lucia Martinez and Tracy Tram. How many organizations did organize this event? That I don't know. You can find out there at the literature table. But I can tell you that over 70 Mexican-owned businesses shut down for the day, which shows you how uh, propelled this whole thing was by immigrants themselves. It wasn't like outsiders coming in and organizing it. It was immigrants who said, we want not just the action that happened last month or whenever it was, you know, the last uh, March. We want more. And so that's really exciting when you have immigrants themselves 
uh, doing the, the organizing. And so we've had meetings at the Centro uh, where they've come and basically designed this whole event. Why did you choose to help organize this event? Um, well, because the immigrants gave us marching orders. I mean, they, the immigrants themselves said, you know, we have said to various organizations, and including El Centro and uh, Enlace Comunitario, which serves Spanish-speaking victims of domestic violence, I also work with them, uh, you know, they said to us, we, we are ready now to speak out. What triggered it all was the legislation called the, the, the Sensen, I want to say senseless Brenner, the Sensen Brenner Bill, which would have turned every uh, undocumented worker into a felon and would have made felons out of every person working, say, for nonprofits or churches or whatever, uh, helping uh, undocumented workers. Why is it important for people who aren't, well, let's say, who don't think they're affected by this, or by this, the Sensenbrenner law, why is it important for them to learn more about it and try and help push it back be more active, yeah. more active about this whole issue? Well, people can feel good because that aspect of the Sensenbrenner law was struck down. Too many people rose up. Immigrants and the Catholic Church were too big. The Catholic Church was also a big player. Basically, you had uh, uh, priests and uh, the famous uh, Cardinal Roger Mahoney of Los Angeles saying that Catholics and priests saying that, that they will break the law. If, if immigrants are turned into felons and helping immigration, immigrants uh, are, are, are felons. Yeah. And it's important for people to get involved, one, number one, because they, we can see that they accomplish something. They can accomplish something. And number two, every aspect of our economy is affected by the contribution of immigrants. If immigrants stopped working, if every immigrant stopped working for a day, the economy would absolutely collapse. Many are not going to be working today, and people are going to be very surprised to show up to their usual place of business, and nobody's going to be there. A lot of people, unfortunately, wanted to not work today, but couldn't because they would be uh, fired. So. Why is this important to you? Uh, I've just been interested in immigration issues all my life, and I think it's, it's the saddest thing in the world when people don't have, uh, when people are forced to leave home because they're hungry. You know, and because they're barely making it. You know, people don't want to do that. They don't want to go walking through the Arizona desert, but they do that. And many, a, a person a day is dying, at least, trying to cr walk through the Arizona desert uh, to get to an American city to look for work. And so, so there's something about home that's very important to me. And when I think of what people struggle, what they go through to, to find home and create home, and create a, a decent life for themselves and their families, uh, it, it, it hurts. You just heard an interview with writer and activist Demetria Martinez, conducted by Tracy Tram and Lucia Martinez. Now, here's some more music. Thanks, Luis. Coming up is... Till the Day I Die by Garbage. But first, here's one of my personal favorite songs. You're So Damn Hot by OK Go. I saw you sliding out the bar. I saw you slipping out the back door, baby. Don't even try and find a line this 
This is this week's calendar for Youth Radio. I'm Tracy Tram. And I'm Mars Chalon. So let's see. On Monday, I mean, on May 19th and 20th in Santa Fe, Warehouse 21 Production presents Torn Between Worlds, Fallen Hope, Upon Awakening, and Line of Sight. Doors open at 7 p.m. For more information, please call 505-989-4423. On May 13th, 2006, at 7 p.m. at the Albuquerque Chinese Chorus Mother's Day Concert will be held at the Central United Methodist Church located on 1615 Copper Avenue Northeast, which is near University Boulevard and Central Avenue. Sorry, no ch- children under 6. For more information, please call 363-6474. South Valley Academy presents And They Lived Happily Ever After, or So They Thought. A fun comedy about the realities of fairy tales. This comedy will be playing at the Westside Community Center Center on May 19th and 20th at 7 p.m. and on May 21st at 2 p.m. For more information, you can call 505-507-6109. North 4th Art Center will be hosting Wild Dancing West, a first festival of local and regional contemporary dance. Featuring choreographers such as Julie Brett Adams, Kate Eberly, Christine Maltrud, and many more. Shows will be on May 18th, 19th, 20th, and 21st at 8 p.m. Sunday's show will be on at 6 p.m. For more information on this event, please call 505-345-2872. May 19th, 20th, and 21st. The American Miniature Horse Show will be at Expo New Mexico State Fairgrounds Horse Arena. See over 150 horses compete in events like driving, jumping, harness racing, and obstacles. All horses will be less than 34 inches tall. The show begins at 8 a.m. each day. There is no admissions charge for the spectators. Call 505-865-8366 or visit, or visit their website at www miniaturehorsesofnm.com for more information. On May 15th, Aloha, the Griminals, and the Cherry Temple will be performing at the launch pad. You can buy tickets at virtuous.com. Gorilla Tango Theater will be hosting auditions for the Adventures of Mr. Toad. They are looking for boys and girls ages 8 through 15. Auditions will be on Monday, June 19th from 6 to 8 p.m. For more information, contact Doug at GorillaTango.com or call 505-245-8600. There will be music and more at the 7th Annual Taos Solar Music Festival in Kit Carson Park in downtown Taos, New Mexico. This festival will be on June 23rd, 24th, and 25th 
at 5 p.m. To purchase tickets, you can visit www.solarmusicfest.com. That concludes our calendar for this week. Now back to your host. Now it's almost time for us to leave. But before we go doing any of that, it's time what that we might drop and distribute the credit in such a manner as is appropriately due. Yep, our producer was Chatine Tuck. Our engineers were Kyle Ferris and Paula Castillo. Our calendar hosts were Tracy Tram and Marshallon. Our music hosts were Lucia Martinez and Philip Riley. Thanks to Luis Martinez and Jaren Kai for producing those Portland commentaries. Another special thanks to Mina and Israel Ibarov, Chad Hadcox, Katie McQu- McEwen, Janice Cubbage, and Becky Gordon for that interview about the Iraq War. And thanks to Kyle Ferris for engineering that piece. One last thanks to Tracy and Lucia for that interview with Demetria Martinez. I'm Luis Martinez. And I'm Mina Lee. The other Youth Radio Collective members are Diana Barron-Moore, Michael Harley, Jaron Kai, and Avikra Lucky. Our adult co-conspirators are Roberta Rael, Marcos Martinez, Danielle Cantrell, Steve Emmons, and Otiamba Umi. Thanks for tuning in. Want to know more about Youth Radio? You can check us out at our website at www.kunm.org slash youthradio. Or... You can just email us at youthradio at kunm.org. Tune in next Sunday at 7 p.m. for some more Youth Radio at 89.9 KUNM FM. Good night. Next up, stay tuned for Spoken Word. (laughs) 